This podcast is now brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. So let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. And it's everything you need to make a podcast great in one place. All you have to do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to Breaking the Barrier. This is episode four. My name is Andrew Lorenzo. For the next two years, I have committed myself to pushing my body and mind to their limits in my attempt to run a two-hour and 40-minute marathon. For my first marathon in October of 2018, I ran just under four and a half hours. So I'll be looking to shave almost two hours off of that time. I certainly have my work cut out for me. With the help of running coaches and fitness experts, I'll push myself harder than I ever have in hopes of breaking the barrier. Hi everyone and welcome to Breaking the Barrier. I'm Andrew Lorenzo and thank you for listening. You can find, follow, and download this podcast on iTunes, the podcast app, or on Spotify, as well as SoundCloud at www.soundcloud.com forward slash breaking the barrier running. I've also now created the Facebook zone, and I have committed myself to pushing my body and mind to their limits in my attempt to run a two hour and 40 minute marathon by the year 2020. Over the course of my journey starting in 2018, I've discovered many things about the human spirit that I want to share with all of you. It's my hope that I'll help you reach your true potential and inspire you to go above and beyond what you ever thought possible. With the help of an amazing community of listeners and speakers, we can all push ourselves harder than we ever have in hopes of breaking the barrier. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Breaking the Barrier podcast, where I hope to inspire you to go above and beyond what you ever thought possible. My name is Andrew Lorenzo. Thank you so much for listening. Remember, you can find all things Breaking the Barrier at the Breaking the Barrier website at breakingthebarrierpodcast.com or at the social media sites, Facebook and Instagram, both at Breaking the Barrier Podcast. You can also find a link to request to join the Breaking the Barrier community group on the website or by sending me a message through Facebook or Instagram, and I'll send you the link to request to join. Of course, the community group is a great place where you can go to post a little bit about your journey, post successes and victories, or even questions that you have along the way. We're all there to listen. We're all there to help out. So we've got an awesome episode in store today. I'm going to be talking with Isabel Ross, who is an ultra runner. And of course, Isabel Ross was somebody who took part in the Barkley Marathons. So for me, that's really exciting because as you know, that is one of my what would I attempt if I knew I could not fail, the Barkley Marathons. So we had a little bit of a chat about that, a little bit of a chat about her running, her journey, and her training. And that was a really great conversation. So before we get into that, I, of course, want to give a couple of shout-outs to some of the Breaking the Barrier members who are going above and beyond. So this first shout-out goes to Kathleen. Kathleen had this to say in the community group. So as I said, we're, we're going to be talking to Paul P.J. James. So in a moment, you're going to hear an interview that I had with P.J. P.J. and I met in L.A. about a little bit over a year ago, and he has been a huge part of my life since then. I've been lucky enough to be one of his clients, so he's worked with me closely on my training and nutrition and general mindset as well, and he's, he's really, really helped me grow a lot. 
in the past 12 months. PJ is well known for his documentary, Fit to Fat and Back. In that documentary, he took his body from one extreme to the other. PJ is basically a cover model type guy. Literally, he's been on the cover of Men's Fitness. In Fit to Fat and Back, PJ put himself in the shoes of his clients that didn't think that he would ever understand what it was like to be obese. So for six months, PJ escaped his fit body and discovered what it was like living as an unhealthy and unmotivated person. In that time, PJ added an incredible 45 kilograms or 100 pounds to his frame of all fat. He took the next six months to build his body back to what it was when he started, going from fit to fat and back. PJ's documentary has aired on television in 35 countries and is now available for free on YouTube. In the United States, PJ was featured on Anderson Cooper, Good Morning America, The Doctors, 2020 Inside Edition, ESPN, and Fox News. In Australia, he was featured on A Current Affair and Today Tonight. His book, Take It Off, Keep It Off, debuted at number one on Amazon's bestseller list, and he was also featured in Men's Fitness Magazine. So here's my interview with PJ. I hope you enjoy. So I'm here with PJ, author of best-selling book, Take It Off, Keep It Off, as well as the creator of his documentary, Fit to Fat and Back. Uh, thanks so much for your time today, man. Really, really means a lot. So obviously you've had an incredible journey with everything you've done, and uh, we'd all love to hear a little bit more about it, how it affected you positively and negatively, and and, and, and how you overcame the negatives, uh, I think is is the really important thing that we want to delve into a little bit today. So, I mean, we'll, we'll start from the beginning. So how did you get into uh, fitness and nutrition? Yeah, great to speak with you, Andrew. I'm excited to be a part of interview, uh, do the interview with you and uh, share a bit about my story. And uh, yeah, basically fitness and nutrition for me was, I guess, from an early age, like during, you know, during school, uh, definitely growing up through right through from a very young age I was always into sport you know I was on lots of sporting teams at school and we had a really good physical education program and great after school sports program and I just got involved in a lot of sports and and loved it I've always loved the outdoors we had a a vacation home near the beach as well um, in Blair Gowrie growing up so everything was sort of outdoors and in the sun so to speak yeah, wow. Um, as, a, as a kid and as a teenager, and yeah, I just got into, I think for me, the sport developed into fitness, wherein I kind of, there's a whole, well, there's a whole story about the transition, but basically, I think it evolved pretty naturally, but after after my sporting days at school and that, and I I had transitioned after school to doing some modeling and got a lot of success sort of modeling overseas and stuff. Yep. And through that, I started getting more into like body modeling and fitness modeling and and that required a lot more attention to detail as far as the fitness was concerned and food. I'd actually, when I, I'd left school early and I had qualified as a chef as well. So I had the nutrition background and the cooking background 
um, which has really, really served me well over the years. And yeah, just sort of pushing myself to be at the top of my game with with modelling on an international level got me into the got me into the mindset where I just wanted to be the best and excel. You know, I might not have been like the best as far as looking and things like that, but I knew that I could manipulate my body, and I I realised that it was you know, a playing field that I could excel in and, and, and beat other people in yeah. if I concentrated on my strengths, which were basically, yeah, learning learning about fitness and learning to change my body and then implementing the food as well and, uh, you know, making it an overall package, I guess. Yeah, right. Because you, you kind of got into, you kind of got into modeling a little bit sort of, I think you, I think you mentioned in your book you you were starting modeling when other guys were becoming like veteran sort of thing. So you were kind of like newbie at the age that other people were becoming veterans. So I guess did you did it take you a little while to sort of figure out how to use all that stuff to your advantage, or did you just want to did you just know that it was going to take you X amount of time, and you just wanted to be in the best shape of your life and and kind of show up and uh, show them how it's done, kind of thing. Well, by the time I got into modeling, you're right, I was uh, I was actually 24, just turned 24, and most people are finishing, you know, 24 is getting old in the modeling game, yeah. especially... Wow. Especially, you know, <laughs> just getting younger and younger. I mean, people are starting, even on an international level, at like 16, so yeah, wow. it's... It, it was good, though. It was, it was good being a bit older, and it was... It was great that I had already, I mean, I'd already worked for six years as a chef prior to that, mm. um, had completed my apprenticeship and then working after my apprenticeship. So from a nutrition point of view and with food and that, I really understood, even though I loved food and I loved cooking, I really understood the makeup of food and how it how it worked well with your body. So I felt like the nutrition part of getting fit was something that I was very, very knowledgeable about and also interested in. And I began experimenting with, um, you know, with the basics like carbs, proteins, fats, and things like that and seeing what worked for me and really, really sort of pushing it to extremes, uh, you know, which would yeah, obviously right. later on down the track, um, yeah, extremes yeah. Seems, seems to be one of my things. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, that actually segues really nice into... Uh, now talking about fit to fat and back, talking about extremes. So what what brought that whole thing on? What made you decide that you wanted to create a documentary where you j- literally added almost double your body weight in in nothing but fat? Yeah, yeah. Just I mean that that whole that whole thing was because you know when I was working with clients. I was pretty confident with everyone and sort of, I got on really well with people, but yeah. occasionally people would come to me and and sort of question, not so much that I knew what I was doing, but question whether I really understood them. And actually one client in particular put me on the spot and said, did you actually, like, do you actually know what it feels like to be someone who's been obese their whole life? Yeah, right. So it's kind of like they're kind of asking you, how can you fix me if you've never had to fix yourself kind of thing? Yeah, and that really stunned me because I always had answers for people, but I didn't have an answer for that. I I realized that he was correct. I mean, I could try and understand and empathize with people, but I felt that 
understand on a personal level what it felt like. Yeah. And that's where the idea for Fat and Back was born. And I decided, well, the only way to fix that is to walk a mile in the shoes of my overweight clients and experience to some degree, at least to understand on some kind of level what it is like, uh, you know, emotionally, physically, psychologically to be completely out of your uh, comfort zone and, you know, in foreign territory. Yeah, wow. So, so kind of give us a like an elevator pitch of what exactly you did from start to finish in that twelve months to go through this this journey for yourself, like both physically and mentally. Like, what exactly did you do? Well, for me, I wanted to. There was no use in me putting on a few kilos just to see what it was like, and then you know, miraculously taking it off and t- and telling everyone how good I was. Right. I really wanted to. I, I understood from the beginning, and I always make the point of saying this, that no matter what I did, it would not be exactly the same as someone who has lived with obesity and had you know, poor relationships with food and lack of motivation and you know, mental problems associated with being overweight and right. you know, all the struggles that go along with it. I, I understood and tried to explain as much as possible along the way and, you know, post doing the documentary that yes my journey is not the same but it just gave me i just wanted to get an insight and an understanding of what it was like on some level um and of course putting yourself not not to not to downplay what i did because the the basis of it was to put on half my body weight i thought that it would be a really good challenge to put on half my body weight and essentially go from 80 kilos to 120 kilos wow. and back again. I thought that was, I thought that was a, a decent amount of weight to put on that would get me out of my comfort zone. I didn't realize I was still very confident and thought that I didn't understand what it would actually translate to yeah. physically and mentally. So I must say my confidence was sky high going into it, but I felt like those kind of numbers would would make me serious, like would. You know, it was—it wasn't a trivial matter. It was very, very serious, and you know, obviously, could have implications with my health and things like that. So, yep. yeah, I was a hundred percent into it. Yeah, wow. For for those of you who have not seen it, like like I said, it's it's uh, you you can you can view it on YouTube. There's this awesome little moment. PJ decided to do this. Uh, it was it was kind of like a reverse New Year's resolution sort of thing. So at the stroke of New Year's Day. Um, PJ decided that he was going to go on this journey. And there's this awesome moment where he's, I believe it was a kebab that you were eating. And and you're just, you're kind of laughing because you're like, oh, this is great, but I got to eat more than this because I'm still hungry. But that moment kind of transitions into a lot of really almost scary, what it looks like to be scary moments with you mentally. So you, you took you know one hell of a journey from start to finish it's like opposite ends of the spectrum how did it how did it really start to affect you in a in a mental emotional way obviously physically you gained the weight of course but what what did it do to your mind what 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 did what happened to your mindset in that time well like it just brings up so many emotions when i even think about it yeah um even though it's been like 10 years ago but to understand like to go from doing fitness every single day of your life, living, breathing, everything's about fitness, being healthy, eating well, looking after your body, treating your body right. And then to go in an instant 
to quitting. Basically, I quit. So not only did I eat poorly for six months or I just let myself go to eat whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted, but I actually stopped training altogether. Wow. There was no exercise whatsoever for six months. And that was one of the rules that I made for myself that I would not train. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do any exercise, anything more than walking to and from places that I needed to go to. Otherwise, there was no exercise. And for anyone that can relate to that, you know, being, being, doing something that they love day in and day out, especially when it involves creating, you know, fantastic feelings and getting your endorphins going and things like that to suddenly stop that shouldn't be underestimated (laughs) and also i don't recommend for people to do that obviously because um it wasn't easy like on a on a mental level it was just it just not ruined me but it just it crushed me it crushed me from so many different angles because even though i was doing it and i voluntarily started this process i just had no idea how much it would affect me on that mental level and you know, psychologically watching other people get fit uh, and, you know, the worse out of shape I got and the, and the bigger I got, the more I wanted to justify to people that, oh, no, no, I can, I know what I'm talking about. You know, I, I used to be fit too. And, you know, just yeah. just always trying to justify to people that, you know, this wasn't the real me. And mm-hmm. then that all went away as well. Like, it's just such a difficult experience as you're, as you're going along with it. Because I went from that phase to suddenly not caring about, wow. like, probably about three months in, I just didn't care. Like I just thought that I had become the person that I was always meant to be, and then it became too difficult to worry about anything else. You know, getting in shape was like almost a distant memory for me, and it just it just snowballed. And I was shocked as to how quickly the mind can be changed like that because I thought that I mean I pride myself of being mentally strong yeah. but I was I was totally shocked and completely out of my comfort zone wow so uh, after having such a fit lifestyle th- like for years and years and years three months into this thing you you were convincing yourself that that person that you had become in three months was actually who you were meant to be as opposed to the fit guy that you used to be Wow. And, and that may again, it may sound strange, but I mean, I would look in the mirror and and I, I felt I don't know. It's I felt ashamed of what I what I had done to myself, and and I was disillusioned as well, feeling you know helpless at times. But at the same time, I was controlled. You know, there's a certain amount of control that is that goes together with with food especially sugar i noticed that you know i developed these really really strong cravings for sugar and they got the better of me and and it alters when you through something like that it alters the way you think you know logic goes out the window uh depression sets in sadness sets sets in and then you seek food for comfort and i had never ever experienced that before i mean i had heard my clients talk about it but i thought my answer used to be to my clients, well, you know, you just got to be tough. You got to be stronger than that. Yeah. You, know, you got to be stronger than your emotions. Come on, you know, it's easy. Just you got to almost like saying snap out of it, which I hate. You know, I I look back and 
I'm disappointed in the way that I used to treat people. And it wasn't because I was a bad person. It was just my my misinterpretation of things, my lack of understanding of what people go through. And, you know, well, I guess that's why I did the documentary. Yeah, well, I was going to say that, that kind of, that kind of yeah. makes the whole thing that you did worth it, really. Yeah, totally. I mean, there's absolutely no regrets for me. In fact, it's all, you know, positive. Thankfully, I was able to get back into shape, obviously. And, um, yeah. you know, you know, I had a doctor monitor me the whole way. And, I, you know, I obviously experienced a lot throughout the journey. But, yeah, every, every day since that, I've been so thankful because it has made me a much better personal trainer. It's given me a, a huge understanding of obesity on on a personal level now where yes, I wasn't obese for 20 years and I, I possibly cannot understand, you know, or, or begin to understand what it's like to be, you know, to spend your whole life battling with food and addictions mm. and things like, but it definitely gave me, you know, a great deal of insight into how people feel. I experienced a lot of things, for myself and I've been able to utilize that information and, and the feelings to empathize on a different level with my clients and you know I, obviously the people that I work with uh, post post 2009 when I did the documentary I mean yeah the, the, res, the results and also my relationship with my clients has been fantastic yeah that's great that, that's amazing like that that that's worth that's worth the price i think it's sounds like it's it's really grown you as a as a a person as a trainer and just as as someone in the fitness and nutrition industry really so now now getting back to circling back to having to get back to being fit so you took that six months to go off the rails how did you fight all that negativity that that came into your life and how did you overcome that to really just get back to com- to complete your journey back into sort of cover model shape like what what did you do to to overcome that negative mindset it went from thinking oh, i want all these things to happen to oh no i can't control these things that are happening to me like i had no no way of controlling these things and by the 6 month mark i mean the last thing i was thinking about thinking about really was getting into shape yeah wow well. I, I knew it was important because you know the journey. The journey was to come back. It would look pretty foolish and stupid if I didn't come back. At the six month mark, I knew. I mean, I knew I had to get into shape. I mm. had no desire to even get back into the gym. Um, I mean, I would finish. So I was still training my clients while putting on the weight. I would. I would finish the gym and I would be out of there. I mean, I did. I did things that I never thought I was capable of. I put a bar fridge inside my bedroom. Um, and filled it and filled it with food so that I could just wake up in the middle of the night and eat snacks. Wow, um, that's midnight and, snacking to a new level. Yeah, and they're not things that I intentionally started out to do. Mm. They're things that I actually transitioned into, and you know, a lot. Yes, the first few weeks I was like gorging myself and eating whatever, and you know, I think it was a great time, and I still looked okay. I mean, my fitness level was pretty good still, and the weight hadn't really done anything to my body; just filled me out a little bit, and I, I looked great. And I thought, oh, this is easy. Yeah. 
Another week later, by the four-week mark, I just was starting to feel lethargic, tired, unmotivated, and then, you know, it just went downhill from there. So by the time six months came around, I was like, okay, I know what I have to do. Everyone's expecting me to do it. I mean, people by then knew what was going on. I mean, I had people following me. I had the media following me. So I knew I knew that I had to come back and, you know, without ruining it for people that want to watch the documentary and not going into too much detail, yeah. I, I, I was... I was lying. I was lying to myself. I was lying to the media. I was lying to people. I was lying to my clients, telling them how great I felt or how good it was going to be getting back. But when I was by myself in the safety of my own home, just sitting there, I mean, I I still sought comfort from food and junk. And it was, you know, it was was medication for me. And, And, you know, often people will describe food as a drug or as medication that you know that that heals their pain mm. and that's that's what was happening to me i was i was like eating to seemingly make myself happy or to to feel good about myself but obviously then spiraling into unhappiness and sadness and and crying i mean i would cry after eating and wow and and sit at home, sit on my bed, and then just fall, like just go to sleep because I didn't want to go outside. It totally changed the person I was, my personality, everything. So when it came back, when it came time to get back into the gym, I just didn't have the energy to do it for a start. Mm. Uh, I wasn't physically capable of doing what I used to do. And I would look in the mirror and I had the familiarity of doing exercises and only six months before that I was, you know, it was peak fitness level and I was embarrassed. I mean, I would look at the mirror and at the six month mark and like going into the gym and I would feel self-conscious. I, I would be upset. I would be disappointed in the person I'd become. I'd be disgusted, ashamed, so many, so many different emotions and to top it all off, not only that, I actually had done a media shoot the day before I was meant to get back into the gym, and I, and the, the the photographer asked me to just just to do a light jog, just a very very light jog into the frame so I could just take a photo. So I did that. As I I started jogging, and about ten seconds into my jog, I twisted my ankle really really badly, and that was before day one. So I hadn't even got back into the gym. It was the next day. Jeez. And that gave me a, a quite a major foot injury for the next three months. Wow! Uh, I couldn't I couldn't actually train my legs at all. Man, uh, I could hardly walk. It was really bad. Uh, completely swollen and yeah, I sprained my ligaments and all kinds of stuff. And I just that just added to everything else and all the emotions that go along with that. So it was really really difficult, especially early on on the way back. And like what? With, obviously, without giving away everything in the in the in the documentary, but there there must have been like a a shift in your mentality. Did you did you employ any tools to to start to get to a more positive mindset? Did you do anything specific, or did it just kind of the more you worked, did it kind of did did, did that change your mindset, or did, was it something that you actively had to work on? 
I definitely had to work on it. I guess I had a little bit of outside pressure because people were, you know, taking an interest in what I was doing and being, like I said before, being a failure and not getting to my goal was just not, <laughs> not, not a way to end this. Like it just wasn't. Yeah. I mean, I'd never, I'd never, I'd never be able to carry on like having known that that had that had been the ending. So I knew that I had to had to do it somehow. It took me a good three months into the journey back for me to actually feel like I was going to be successful. Yeah. Um, but throughout that first three months, so we're talking from the six-month mark to the nine-month mark in the, in the scope of the whole journey, I had some small successes. I guess, you know, I did lose weight, obviously. I, I started to feel a little bit of confidence and my the closer I got to my goal and this is what I realized that like the time one one important thing that I did realize was the time is going to go and this is what I do with my clients it's like the next six months was mm. going to go whether I woke up slept didn't go to the gym went to the gym it didn't matter time doesn't care what you want to do or don't want to do sure because time just will happen so I had a decision to make and it was even if I can't be perfect, even if I can't do every single thing that I used to be able to do, even if I can't do even 10% of what I was previously capable of, I, I made a decision to just go to the gym every day. That was my one decision that I made, yeah. just one. And it didn't mean that my food was perfect. It didn't mean that my training was perfect. But it meant that I, I stuck to my promise. I, I gave myself one thing to do, one task, and I made sure that I stuck to that. Yeah. And I think that's important because when I started to go to the gym every day, obviously I started to be around people who were motivated. I started to, you know, I, I got the feeling of, okay, this is a pretty cool atmosphere. This is what I do like. Even though I don't like the person I am right now, I do like the feeling of being in the gym. Yes, I'm self-conscious now, but I didn't used to feel that way. Maybe things will get better. I mean, logic logic told me that I would get in shape at some point. Now, would it be okay if, if I didn't get in shape in six months? Yes, I decided that yes, it would be okay. I, did, I didn't want it to be like that, but I decided that it was okay. So I, didn't, I took some pressure off myself and said, just go to the gym. Do the best you can with food, and let's see what happens week after week after week. And sure enough, you know, things, although we had a very, very slow first three months, you know, things picked up towards the end, and, I mean, yeah, it was like, you know, everything started to change. At some point, you know, my mindset came back, my my determination came back, my self-worth came back. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Everything started to feel like a year. And yes, there was a bit of a delay, but eventually we got to it. And that's, you know, that's... That's awesome. What I tried to sort of push other people to do as well. It's like with clients, you know, you just just commit to the most important thing, which is just getting, you know, making yourself accountable and getting out to the gym every day or, you know, whatever we decide, whether it's five days a week or whatever, but yeah. stick to that and then we can work on all the rest of it around that. Yeah. So I guess the point, 
the the most important thing there is it doesn't it doesn't always have to be perfect, but those those sort of small small steps can lead to much bigger accomplishments with time. And as as you get better and better at something, it just it morphs into something greater as you as you go. Yeah, totally. And I think I mean you know now I've worked I've worked with probably well it's been over a thousand clients now I think in, in whether person or online. So it's I, I start to realize, when you start to work with like hundreds of people and then into the thousands, it's like, yes, everybody is different, but there are certain things that really hold as concrete and and true and, and they don't shift regardless of who the person is. And one of those things is, if you don't go to the gym and you were meant to go to the gym, you feel shit. Like, mm. you know, it, it's just... You get to the end of the day and you think, I should have gone to the gym. Most people think, I should have gone to the gym. I didn't go to the gym. And then in certain personalities, that turns into, oh, I'm a loser or oh, I stuffed up. Yeah. Often leads to food and self-loathing. Wow. And that's just common a common factor that I've, that I've seen amongst many, many clients when you know, it's easy to go backwards when you don't turn up. It's just, it's just too easy because you, for a start, I don't get that contact. So, you know, it's important to keep contact with clients mm. and whether it be like on a personal, you know, in person on a one-to-one basis or um, when I'm working with people online, it's the same thing. Like when people don't go to the gym, then they don't want to get on the phone with me because they're going. You know, I'm going to ask too many questions. Why didn't you go to the gym? What happened? All this. So I'll be avoid. You know, they'll avoid me. And then yeah. when they avoid me, they, you know, they they're feeling bad about themselves. And then they think, oh, oh well, I've just ridden off today. I didn't go to the gym, so I might as well eat poorly today. Yeah. Because, you know, it doesn't count. It doesn't count. And then suddenly tomorrow, uh, tomorrow, you know, uh, I got busy. I couldn't go to the gym. Oh, but I'll eat poorly again. And then it snowballs. Good behavior and bad behavior both can snowball. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's like small steps can lead to big things, both positively and negatively. Totally. And, you know, it's it's easy to sort of like, it's easy to focus on the negative things and say that, oh, negative, negative feelings snowball much faster than positive ones. But it, it's actually not true. Like if you string a few good days together with eating and training, you feel amazing. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, I mean, nothing. What, what's that saying? Nothing tastes as good as, as healthy feels or, or whatever the saying is. It's, <laughs> I mean, you, you start putting some of those little things together and yeah, yeah. You just start to feel great even after one or two. Totally. And I, and I always say, like, I'm a, I'm a bit of a numbers guy and I always like to use, you know, different numbers and percentages and things like that. Um, and I always say to people, one of, one of the things that I say is if you do, if you put in 80% effort, which in most situations you'd think was pretty good, mm. but when it comes to health and fitness, if you put 80% into your goal of losing weight or getting in shape or whatever your goal might be, you're only going to get 20% results. Yeah. Wow. Okay. By making it a hundred percent, you guarantee yourself a hundred percent and more. I mean, you can surpass your goal, so you can actually achieve more than a hundred percent of what your goal was. Yeah. If you just add that extra twenty percent, so 
the difference between someone mediocre and someone like killing it with their goals is that 20%. Wow. So it's a small, you know, it's a small percentage. That it doesn't require much change, but you can live your whole life at eighty percent and not get, you know, the, you know, after years and years of going to the gym and eating, eating okay and sort of putting eighty percent into it, and you'll you'll be at the same level you were five years ago, or you can put in a hundred percent and get to your goal, you know, in the time frame that you wanted. Yeah, and I guess that that can scare people off. They think. 80% is good enough, and then all of a sudden they see that they're not reaching the goal, and, and, and it can really discourage them from, from wanting to continue when all they had to do was just put that extra 20% in, which might have been just instead of having a soda, have water or swapping out you know, that extra 20 minutes of sleep for a 20-minute a walk or something. It's just like that extra 20%, which, which exactly what you were saying before, over the course of six months... You're going to look back and you can either say, I've, I've done the extra 20%, I look and feel great, or I wish I had done that extra 20%. Mm-hmm. Now I have to start from the beginning. And that that's, once you've done something for six months, starting from the beginning because you haven't been giving it your all can be really, really scary. Yeah, definitely. And and I know that may, may sound to people listening like it's a lot of pressure and it's, it, it's un, unfair and unjust to expect that of clients, but... I just want to clarify, the 100% is not being perfect. It doesn't mean you're 100% perfect. It's the effort of 100%. Yeah, yeah, right. Now, there is a difference between the two, and 100% effort is turning... It's really gym-related. It's turning up to sessions when you're meant to, doing doing the work that you're meant to, because the food... You know, you you go in and out. You know, occasionally you'll make some mistakes and things like that. But I find when people attend the gym or the training to the level that they promised that they would at the start, and that's been agreed upon, the food becomes less of an issue. Yeah, it's only the food goes out the window when the training goes out the window. Pardon the pun, but they they feed off each other. You yeah, know? it's like yeah, totally. I mean, I know when I go to the gym. It, it 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 inspires me to want to eat healthier for the rest of the day. Or if I know I'm going to the gym later, it makes me want to not have something silly throughout the day because I know I'll have a lousy workout or I'll feel nasty and I'll be more unlikely to go. Yeah. And and the more of those days you string together because actually getting fit my the way that I okay, the way that I put on weight was unusual because no one will gorge, especially in the first month or so, because my goal was not, I didn't put on the weight steadily over years and years, which is what most people do when they're, when they, you know, they lose their fitness or they get overweight or obese, you know, it's over a long period of time. It's not overnight. But what I, what I wanted to do was experience obesity, not, not the journey of getting to obese. So I wanted to live at 120 kilos, yeah. you know, for as long as I could to understand it. So, you know, people will say, oh, you know, you, you got to the weight quickly. It's not indicative of what people do. Well, correct. Yes, absolutely. But what you feel at 120, and don't forget, this is someone who's gone to the gym every single day and, you know, trained well and eaten well, you know, you're it shouldn't be it shouldn't be underestimated or, or dismissed how difficult it is 
for someone like me to do something like that. Yeah, well, and that's why you don't see people doing it. I mean, yeah. you know, there's been and things like that where trainers are putting on weight and things like that, and you know, they're putting on like 10% or 20% of their body weight. It's not. It's being trivialized too much now, where yeah. you know everybody now suddenly is you know a trainer putting on a bit of weight to experience it, and that it's it's very different. Yeah. But yeah, totally. Like it's it's just one of those things where you can get the results just as quickly as I got the results getting in shape. Actually, my clients achieve results on a similar level as to what I did. So my journey back to fitness was filled with disasters and mistakes and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. But I did stick to as best as I could, and I really pushed it. I mean, after the first couple of weeks, I, I never really missed a gym session. I stuffed up my food completely. Yeah. But I never <laughs> missed a gym session, and eventually I got the results. And the results are very normal within the range of what everyone can do. It's not exceptional what I did. It's just steady. Yeah. It's just steady, even though it wasn't steady like week to week. Over a six-month period, it was steady. Yeah. And right. that's you know that's that's what serves you yeah. well over time. Put in the effort over long enough a period of time, and you'll get the results. That's it. So there you go. Consistency and and stringing enough good days together so that it that it really makes. It starts to make a difference, and it, it makes a difference in in your physical and mental state as well. That's awesome. Absolutely. So, w- w- what's next for you now that you've you've done this? You've you you're you're still getting the word out. You're you know you're obviously there. People are still viewing the documentary on a, on a daily basis. I mean, every day. I not that I go and check it out every day, but you know, just out of curiosity, when when I do check out the video for reference or just be honest a little bit of motivation sometimes there's always a ton more hits than than the day before or the week before so what what's next for you like where are you going to go from here well i think um, um yeah since it's definitely accelerating like what i've realized is that now we're look we're at the 10 year anniversary of when i did this um, yeah wow well. you know in january so it's it's reaching a whole new generation. Like it, it's a timeless thing that, you know, and, and people discover it on a daily basis, like you said, and you know, the, the amount of views that it's getting and, and comments, especially, I mean, it's very mm. interactive, you know, it's just accelerating day by day as it reaches new people. And, you know, a whole new generation is reached now, but you know, people that were you too young to, to even think about things like that are suddenly now a bit older and they're getting into fitness and health and thinking about those things and they're discovering this uh, documentary for the first time. So it's it's one of those things that, you know, will probably last, you know, a, lo- a long, long time as new people discover it. And, you know, that was the goal to not only motivate and inspire people, but to to get people talking about obesity and, and you'll see... If if you do go on there and see the comments, I mean, I think we're up to like 8,000 comments now. I mean, there's, there's yeah. people that are giving opinions and views and it's becoming, you know, a, a source for people to discuss things and, you know, openly share and criticize and all those kind of things. And and it's great. You know, and good or bad, it doesn't really bother me. It's getting the discussion out there. And, um, you know, that's that's what's positive. So moving forward for me, I think, um, well, I'm working with a number of online clients, including yourself, Andrew. So, yeah. Yes, sir. It's been great working with you. 
and yeah, I've got I've got people from all over the world that I'm that I'm working with um, at any one time, and I do focus heavily on on mindset and uh, getting getting the right mental state and uh, developing that mental strength to 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 achieve your goals, and uh, that's what I work with primarily with clients uh, yeah. on an online basis. And I think moving forward, we'll probably launch something online where there's more of a subscription-based thing where people can actually join a network or uh, through through my platform and be able to download things on nutrition and fitness and training. Uh, so I'm working on that at the moment, and um, yeah, at some point next year, we'll probably develop uh, the content a lot more online and yeah, build a new platform for people to visit and share fitness tips and, and, and also I'll be able to share my knowledge and, you know, hopefully educate a lot more people along the way. So that, that's the plan moving forward in the future. Yeah, wow. That sounds awesome. That That's a big, that's going to be a big deal, I think. If it's anything like fit to fatten back and uh, I, I think I think we're all in for some good stuff, and and uh, of course your book Take It Off, Keep It Off, which is uh, which is amazing, by the way. So obviously I'm, I'll put a, a link on the podcast to where they can find the book as well as the documentary Fit to Fatten Back. Uh, so from from you, PJ, where, where can people go to learn a little bit more about you, your career, and possibly getting some information from you in terms of becoming a client? Yeah, well. Um... Through my website, uh, my website is paulpjjames.com, okay. and um, people can uh, send me a message through there, definitely, and I've got a lot of information and uh, some links to media articles and TV shows and things like that that I've done along the way, and um, podcasts as well, and um, yeah, people can check out the website, definitely uh, can get in touch with me through that. Um, I'm also on Instagram at the same Paul PJ James. I'm pretty active on Instagram, so people can uh, check it out and share, you know, some of the stuff that I do um, through Instagram. So they're probably the the um, main two sources for people to either get in contact or to see what's happening, you know, in my day to day life. Okay, awesome. So yeah, awesome. I'll have links for those as well in the uh, podcast site. So look, man, I'll, I'll I'll let you go. Thank you so much for for coming on coming on the show today there's so much information there i think uh people are going to really really enjoy hearing about what you went through and, and and how you overcame some of the obstacles yeah thanks andrew it was a pleasure chatting with you mate and um thanks to all the listeners and uh future listeners that will listen to this and uh definitely love sharing all this stuff and hope you guys get a lot out of it and uh jump online and uh shoot me a message and um yeah Happy to interact and uh, share as much as I can along the way. Nice. Thanks for that, man. Okay, cool. Thank you. Thank you again, PJ, for your time today. If you all enjoyed that, you can find more information about what PJ does at www.paulpjjames.com or on his Instagram, Paul P.J. James. I'll have links to those as well as links to his documentary, Fit to Fat and Back, and a link to where you can purchase his book, Take It Off, Keep It Off, featuring his proven KO90 program. So I hope you enjoyed that interview with P.J. He's been through a tremendous amount with his journey, and it was an amazing thing to witness, so I really hope that you check out Fit to Fat and Back. Now, 
In everything that he was speaking about, the one thing that rings true with me, the one thing that really stuck out, is that it's okay if it's not perfect all the time. You're not always going to be in a positive mindset, and that's okay. But what you'll learn to do is have the desire to string together small things for big victories. So keep stringing those things together and you're going to see amazing changes in your life. Just take one day at a time. Show up to the gym. Take that jog. Follow through with one thing every day. One small victory at a time and you'll reach your goals. And I really hope that you do. So thank you again for listening. And we'll catch you next time. Yeah, totally. And so what's what's next for you now, speaking of ultras? What, well, I've got um, GSER, which is Great Southern Endurance Run, next month in November, which is the 15th, 16th, 17th of November. Okay. Um, and that's 182 kilometers from Bright to Buller yeah. on the trails. And what's a, what's a race like that? Do you, do you have a time <coughs> estimate on that one? I have not a clue, to not be perfectly clue. honest. Fair enough. It's only run every two years, and this is its second year. Ah. And last time it was run Buller to Bright. Okay. So there's no known times for Bright to Buller. Yeah. As the whole race. So the winning female Buller to Bright took about 40 hours last time. Okay. But there's more climbing Bright to Buller, obviously. Sure, yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I honestly don't know. I'm just going to do the best I can. And, and generally... Like, I mean, I have to know sort of times to let my crew know. Mm. But other than that, I try, once again, I don't like to put the pressure on myself because I know I freak out. Yeah. So I try to just, you know, give a basic estimate and then just, I run by feel. Mm-hmm. And so then just run knowing that I'm doing the best I can in that moment in time. Yeah. Yeah. Because awesome. if I, if I put pace pressures on myself, I don't cope so well. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. And where can where can my listeners go to learn a little bit more about you? Because you obviously run your own podcast. You do yep. coaching as well. So yep, yep. So it. I'm coaching with Peak Endurance Coaching. So you can find that Peak Endurance Coaching Australia. You can find that on Facebook or Instagram or website dot com dot au, or you can just look for me Isabel Ross on Facebook or Instagram. Isabel with an O, obviously. The Scottish spelling, and that's basically me. Nice. Yes. Well, I'll make sure I have all that information, of course, for everybody in the show notes. And um, listen, Isabel, thank you so very much for this conversation today. It's really awesome. Really cool to hear about the Barkley Marathons because that was my what would you attempt if you knew you could not. Oh, okay. Yeah, so. Oh, brilliant. There you go. Yeah, well, you'll have to get into the ultras and then. And then we'll, we'll go from there. Yeah, that's right. Rock on. Well, thank you again so much. No worries. Thank you very much. Thank you so much again, Isabel, for that conversation. Really awesome for me hearing about the Barkley Marathons and your experiences through them. I really look forward to hearing more updates about your running and and hearing about Fingers crossed, you getting into the next round for the Barkley Marathons. We don't need to cross our fingers. You'll do it. 
So before I wrap up today, I just want to give a quick shout out to this episode sponsor, Generation You Can. So remember, Generation You Can is the sports nutrition that I use to fuel my long runs and hard workouts. So Generation You Can uses a patented super starch formula to help your body burn fat as fuel rather than carbohydrates, which keeps you going longer and harder while avoiding that bonking feeling. I use Generation You Can, of course, before my long runs with their protein-enriched powder, as well as using a Generation You Can snack bar about 20 minutes before my long run. And this really helps me get the ball rolling, and I haven't felt any kind of a bonking feeling since starting. So if you want to get in on that action, you can visit generationyoucan.com.au and use the coupon code BREAKINGTHEBARRIER for 15% off your first order. Again, that's generationyoucan.com.au and use the code BREAKINGTHEBARRIER. I also want to just mention, if you are enjoying the podcast, please, please, please head on to iTunes, subscribe, and leave a review. More subscriptions I get, more reviews I get, the further up the ladder the podcast is going to move so it can help the podcast reach more people. It takes 20 or 30 seconds. Just head on to iTunes and just leave that review. Five-star rating, please. <laughs> and say something about the podcast. doesn't have to be a story, or it can be. It's up to you. But that would really, really help me out, and I'd really appreciate it. So Isabel Ross, man, that was just like a cool conversation to have. She's so down to earth. I don't know what it is about ultra runners, but I look at ultra runners and I'm like, I geek out, right? Like, I just totally geek out because the things that they put their bodies through is just... It's, it's an amazing thing to hear about and to watch. And th- there were just some cool moments in that conversation. Like, I mean, calling me out on the failing question. Like, what would you attempt if you knew you could not fail? Well, what do you mean by failure? What? Keeps me on my toes. And the body breakdown smell? Well, I'm really curious and at the same time not curious to know what that would smell like. So that's that's crazy. The body breakdown smell. I haven't heard that one before, so <laughs> there were some cool things that definitely came up. But, you know, just some of the, the the things that I took away from that conversation, I mean, even as somebody as experienced as Isabel Ross is, you still have to, at the very core of it, solve problems as they come up. You just have to be that problem solver, and you can solve each thing as it comes up to get you to the finish or to get you to that point that you need to go. You have to address those things. And even if you are prepared to solve those problems, you know, worst case scenario can still happen. That's racing, you know, that's life. It's not the end of the world. You accept that that might happen, but you can enjoy the ride no matter what. And take each failure as that learning opportunity. If you can objectively look at what went wrong, you'll be able to figure out how to improve yourself for next time. And find the fun moments in those failures or in those hard challenges. You can find positives in everything that you do. So make sure that you appreciate them. And while you're out there on the course, remember, it's not always just about the technical skills. You have to dig deeper to find out the most you can about yourself. Even someone like Isabel Ross, who's done all these amazing things, has the thought sometimes of, well, that that that's not me. I couldn't do that. You know, when she was looking at the Barkley Marathons for the first time, she actually thought that. But you can do it. She can, and she did. She got there, and anybody can do what they want to do. We all have those doubting thoughts. It's normal, but we can fight past them, because sometimes it's just best to worry about the consequences later. See what happens if you go for it, and worry about what's going to happen later. (laughs) As I sometimes say, act now and beg for forgiveness later, as long as you go for it. 
So that's going to conclude today's episode of the Breaking the Barrier podcast, where I hope to inspire you to go above and beyond what you ever thought possible. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time.